Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the film Banana Split, April, played by Hannah Marks, has spent the last two years of high school in a relationship with Nick, played by Dylan Sprouse, from the first frantic makeout session to the final tear-stained breakup. In the aimless summer between graduation and college, the newly single April mends her heartbreak by striking up an unexpected friendship with an unlikely candidate, Nick's new girlfriend, Clara, played by Liana Liberato. And that is the backstory behind this terrific teen drama, but I don't want to limit, I don't want to pigeonhole it by saying it that way. It's really a lot more than that. It's about a relationship between these two women. It's about a lot of different things and really terrific film. And we're joined today by the director of Banana Split, and that would be Benjamin Kosolke. Benjamin Kosolke, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Well, I know that Hannah Marks and Joey Power wrote the screenplay for the film, Banana Split. Tell me a little bit about how you came in to, uh, to become the director. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd known Hannah for a really long time. We met uh, almost 10 years ago at the, uh, the Sundance Film Labs. We were both working at the, at the Feature Film Institute Labs. And um, we, uh, yeah, we stayed in touch, and we, we would share a lot of projects with each other and kind of look at what each of us were doing and get notes from stuff we were thinking about working on and, um, Hannah handed me this script over uh, lunch one day and she said, Hey, will you just take a look at this? And I, I really thought she wanted notes on it. And she said, it's the thing I'm, I co-wrote with Joey. And, um, and, uh, so I, I read it and I didn't have a lot of notes cause it was really funny and it was really good. And I said, you know, Hannah, this is awesome. I, I don't have a lot of notes for you. I just can't wait to see when you make it. And she said, well, I, I, I can't make it. We need to, it needs to be made really soon. And Joey and I are finishing our, our last movie. And they had co-written and co-directed uh, a film called After Everything, um, and they were in the in the sort of final run at that movie. So, um, Tanda knew she had to be in Banana Split as a lead. It was uh, it was her movie, her story, autobiographical to a certain degree, and um, and she wanted to sort of play it while she still felt that she was viable as a high school student as far as being uh, the lead in it. Mm-hmm. And so um, one thing sort of led to another. I, I, I went back to her thinking she wanted notes, and she was like, no, no, I, how would you like to direct it? And it was like winning the lottery. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You came up through the ranks as a cinematographer. And I, you worked on Safety Not Guaranteed. Was that one of your film I projects? did, yeah. I did wow. Safety Not Guaranteed. It was, that was a part of a, a long string of, I mean, I did a lot of indies, but uh, for a yeah. long time I lived up in Seattle, Washington, and there was a really, really strong... Uh, indie film scene up there, and uh, so I, I shot tons and tons of stuff in Seattle and LA and New York and all over the place. And oh, so, fantastic! Yeah, I've been, been a cinematographer for about fifteen years and uh, worked with all kinds of people. But yeah, I was lucky enough to work with Colin Trevorrow on this. Well, well, in in yeah. making that transition from cinematography into being the man on the set, being in charge of a set, uh, what was the the thing that you really felt? You could take from your cinematography background, but also what was your biggest challenge uh, coming on as the director? Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing uh, is sort of a cumulative, the biggest like sort of uh, plus or the biggest sort of ace up the sleeve was that for for almost 15 years I'd had um, tons and tons of experience with different directors, both on feature films, which is a, you know, a different director every few months, but also on um, 
television shows, which is a different direction every week. And so there was plenty of uh, opportunities to sort of osmos what, what worked both for the, the benefit of a set, especially a low-budget indie set, but also for me as a storyteller as far as directing technique or um, how, to, you know, how to sort of prioritize your time on a, on a set on a given day. You know, the biggest, that was sort of the biggest plus was that it was just, it wasn't just, um, you know, I've, I've seen, I, I hear about editors that go into directing and it's an editor will work on a film for up to two years. And, uh, and then I, like, that'd be amazing because you can massage one piece of work for a long time and make it work uh, as, a, as a storyteller. But um, for me, it was sort of the opposite. I, I had, you know, dozens and dozens of, of directors that, that did different things strongly. And I could pick the things that I needed and sort of osmos those those uh, lessons over time. The stuff that was the scariest to me was kind of rooted in cinematography itself. Like being a cinematographer is really fun in that, like if you're feeling very um, kind of touchy feely and emotional on a given day, you can go in and think about storytelling, think about how it how it relates to performance and acting and working with a director and collaborating uh, intimately with ideas. And then if you're feeling someday that you need to retreat from that, you can, you can back into your back is open to sort of a technical corner. And, uh, and you think about lighting and think about film stock and think about digital technology, and how you work with a colorist and, you know, what kind of poise you might need to rent for a certain type of shot. Um, and so that's really fun in games when you're a cinematographer, but when you're a director, you can't ever fully back into the technical part. And so for me, I was worried about having to show up every day and not really have that sort of safety net of, oh, I just want to think about lights today. There's a director that's here to talk through the, the, the performance. There's a director here to think about um, the more, like, the bigger intimate ideas that we're, we're addressing in the storytelling. And so, like, that, that scared me a lot. And then about three minutes into day one, that fear kind of went away. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I got this. This is cool. I'm just, we were lucky in that we had really awesome, uh, very talented, very wise beyond their years performers that were extremely fun to hang out with and talk about ideas with so it was that any of that fear i had about needing to retreat from it kind of evaporated after day one it's interesting and i I want to talk about the film and the story and the development of the characters and it's great i just really enjoyed that part of it but i'd like to spend one more minute just talking about this because it's been my experience in talking to directors over the years that this that the relationship between that that director and the cinematographer is this is in some ways, the most important relationship on set because you are the eyes of what the director thinks he wants and then you work through all that. So that's great. And I think you, what you said about having to, you're, you're sort of the backlog of people you work with and picking and choosing what you felt like their strengths were and carrying them forward. I think that's a great observation. But you know, in this case, you also had the I think it was an advantage of the person who actually wrote the script, who you are now directing. So that collaboration, in many ways, is sort of the inverse of what you were yeah. doing as a cinematographer with a with a, uh, a, a director. Yeah. Is that is that fair? That is fair. Yeah, and I, and it's also like um, I was extremely lucky in that. Like Hannah, Hannah Marks is an amazing actress; she's incredible. But it's what she really brings to the table is that she can fully commit to a scene. Uh, in rehearsals and in writing and in questioning the script and thinking things through and while you're rolling. Uh, and then as soon as you yell cut, she can back out of it, like ideologically back out of it and see it as a writer 
And she can be like, this scene is cool in and of itself, but it doesn't help us when we get to this thing that happens 10 minutes later in the screenplay. And we need to address it now. And so she has, you know, it's it's nice because I could track, you know, where we were as far as in the story and who's doing what and what, you know, this scene X is supposed to feel like at minute 27 of a 90 minute movie. I can do that. But what Anna could do is to be like, oh, we have this line later that doesn't make any sense unless we address it with a rewrite right now. Uh, let's just take five seconds, think it through, and we'll reshoot it. Like she had the presence of mind to, uh, and the presence of mind, and the like, she had been writing this, this thing for five years, sort of backlog of ideas that she could draw from. That really, that really, really helped. But like, I, I don't think there's a lot of performers out there that can fully commit to a scene, hit the brakes, totally do a 180 and get into like analytical writer mode and uh, address a problem. And then to take it one step further, very um, diplomatically deal with that with a, with a director who is uh, working with them both as an actor and a writer and also as an exec producer of the film. Yeah. Like she just has this wonderful kind of sense of experimentation, but also knowing what the screenplay needs from a nuts and bolts level and also knowing what the scene needs from an emotional level. So I got very, very lucky. Like I, I do agree that it could be almost a myopic kind of scary paint you in a corner uh, collaboration if it wasn't handled well, but Hannah handled it very, very well 100% of the time. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Benjamin Kosalki. He's the director of the film Banana Split. One of the things I really enjoyed about Banana Split, and one of the things I love about the story, not only is it, it's a story that kind of starts out in a certain way, relationship between um, April and Nick, and, and then jettisons a lot of the that stuff that goes along with that and subtly and very very well done moves in many different directions at once which i really liked about the film the other thing i really liked about banana split is there's no bad guy in this film there's no bad person in this film everyone is playing out this version of the relationship that they're in in a way that is completely benign to everyone else in, well, I mean, there's a little bit of a subtext that's a little different than what I just described. But nonetheless, it is a film in which you don't have to pick a side in this film. And I really, really liked how it plays out. And this is so. If you want to comment on that or is it how you... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad you picked that up. Yeah, it's like there really isn't... It's not really an antagonist. You know, I think if there is an antagonist, it's it's sort of like what... The antagonist is more of an idea. You know, the antagonist, I think, to me, is the idea of, like, how women are supposed to treat each other and that's comedy about teenagers. You know, it's, 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 you know, I love Mean Girls. And, like, but the idea of, like, what makes the girls so mean in that film, that's the antagonist to me. Like, you know, it's like, I think in another, in another type of screenplay, maybe um, Nick, the the boyfriend played by, um, by uh, Dylan Strauss would be a kind of a, not worth fighting over or not a great guy. And I think here he's like, he's like everybody else. He's kind of hurt by this whole love triangle. He's actually pretty cool. And, uh, you know, like I I didn't really feel like it was a film that needed any of the on paper scripted characterizations to be, um, a a butt of a joke at the expense of everybody else. Um, it really is, you know, I think teenage life is like everybody's, it's like anything, everybody's doing their best. Yeah, and, that's and, it's, and it's a little bit messier because you have no wisdom, <laughs> you have no no self awareness, and you don't you don't really know um, 
that uh, if you're making waves in a small pond, they're gonna, it's going to start, you know, capsizing some boats. But, right, but I don't think anyone really, I, you're right. And what you said is I, I couldn't agree more. I just, I don't feel like any one of the characters as they were written and as they're played on the in the film are, you know, sort of, uh, there isn't a whole lot of hidden agendas. And yeah. so, and so you get to see a messy, high school is messy, the transition to college and beyond is messy, all of those relationships that you maybe have grown up with for 8, 10, 12 years of your life are now suddenly severed or about to be severed, and all these things are happening. Plus, there's the whole physical physiology of people, all of it, yeah. the emotional craziness that all all comes along with this. And another thing that I really liked about Banana Split is that it, it's so easy, and I see it in films, to kind of overplay uh, teen angst and teen coolness and teen, you know, kind of the hipster teen stuff. And I, you don't, you don't, I mean, it's, it's all feels like you, these are people that you would have gone to school with. And so, uh, you know, so. Well, cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, we, we tried really hard for, I think, in everything, in the cinematography, in the production design. Yeah. Um, in, you know, production designer, Ami Chakori was really, was, jumped on board with this this concept. And, and Mona May, our, our great costume designer, like, it had to feel real. Um, it's the, you know, the, the sort of underlying subtext of the film about sort of, prioritizing friendships and uh, and kind of giving up sort of ideas of puppy love and really like fighting for the relationships that, that are long lasting in your life and like, all the sort of bigger ideas of the film I didn't feel like would land unless these felt like real people yeah. and they felt like real things that could happen and they felt like they happened in a real world. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it was doubly uh, sort of acute because I'm, I'm not a Los Angeles native. It's very much a, a film that takes place in Los Angeles and it, it has to do with you know, millennial teenagers in Los Angeles. And it's, and so, you know, I'm, I'm from a real small place that's absolutely nothing like LA. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't grow up with, you know, all my friends didn't have cars and parents were always around. And it's, it's just a different life out here. Yeah. I think that the, the sort of geography of the city gets kids cars and has them off in their own orbits pretty early on, uh, in life. And, and so there's just, it, I just had things I had to sort of track to make it feel, universal and, and make it feel like a real place because uh, on, on any of these films, let's say it's not guaranteed or any of the early indie stuff like Hump Day, any of that stuff that I worked on, like my favorite part of the whole process is, you know, we go to a film festival, we show the movie and then people like track you down in the lobby afterwards. And they're like, that happened to me. Or I, I never knew how to articulate this thought. And, you know, it's, it's a way to reach out to people. And if you overly stylize something like teenage life, in a way that doesn't feel accessible, it, it makes it hard for me as a storyteller to justify what you're doing because you're kind of like, okay, like I'm making some jokes for like five people in a room of a hundred. Whereas I could I could make uh, a funny, sad movie that felt like the life of, you know, 85 people in a room of a hundred, and maybe that's a more successful uh, means of communication. I'm going to say a quick comment about the production design because I really like. There's a lot of different uh, colors in the film. I think yeah. so. You played you played well with the sort of color schemes and things you were doing in that regard. Sort of a technical thing that, and I, as a cinematographer, something that I'm sure that's something that you were interested in being able to provide that kind of color palette. There's there's mm -hmm. times when it's a little oversaturated, and then there's times when it's understated. And I, I just really liked how that part, the technical part of the film, plays out. 
but oh, that's that's great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we we um, uh, cinematographer Darren Moran and Alicia Corey, the production designer, and Mona May, our costume designer. Like we we had a really great one of my favorite sort of pre-production planning meetings ever in my career was was on this film where we we all just sat down one day and Mona had a photograph of every single outfit she had for every major character in the film. And we, we went through the movie scene by scene and talked about what color the rooms were going to be, mm-hmm. what color our locations were going to be, what we were going to emphasize with the color of the lighting, what people were wearing, what furniture they were on. Yep. So, it's, it, you know, it's like I, I, don't, I would never have been able to design those, that color palette at all from the ground up. But because each of those team members were able to bring their best to it and then had, we had made the time to sort of have a little like war room chat and be like, okay, what are we going to do? Cause we're not going to have time later. And this is, these are the colors we're working with. Like yeah. that was, yeah. it was all very well um, planned out in the beginning. And it, you know, it takes a, it's a lot of scrambling before you start rolling, but then it pays off later on. And yeah, so, yeah I, I wanted does. that to be part of it. You know, it needed, yeah. if we didn't have a lot of money, it, it did need to feel like everything in those frames were representative of a world that was bright and, yeah. and fun. And um, above all felt, based in naturalism but was echoing the sort of emotional state of the characters as we're as we're supposed to uh, identify with what they're going through banana split is opening here in los angeles on on march 27th and uh it's a terrific film go see it and we've been talking with the director of the film and that would be benjamin kosoki benjamin thank you so much for being here thank you man yeah thanks so much You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.